Welcome to the Semicolon Podcast. This is a safe place to discuss a variety of topics centered around mental health. I am your host, Ashley McClellan, a social worker who has learned a lot about mental health along the way. I am here to be a voice, to support, and to learn with you all. Hello everyone, welcome back to the second episode on the Semicolon Podcast. Thank you all that are here listening and thank thank you to all the people that took time out of their day to listen to my very first episode. Everything from the congratulations to the feedback has just been amazing. So I want to thank you all. This has become very therapeutic for me when I'm feeling down, if I'm in my feelings or whatever the case may be. I just hit that record button and start talking. So thank you all. And from my episode, my first episode, I told you all that I was going to get real with you all in this episode. And that's exactly what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about my trauma and I'm taking it all the way back from childhood. Things I also dealt with in my teenage years and young adult years. And a lot of people may be thinking, why is she putting all of her business out there for the world to hear? And many people are suffering in silence, and I believe that sharing my story will or can help someone. Not two people's stories are the exact same, but we all share similar experiences. And if this if this podcast just reached one person, then I have done my job, and I would be satisfied with that. So this is why I'm sharing my story. And I just want to throw out a quick disclaimer before I hop right in. This episode is not to bash my parents in any way, shape, or form. I'm just simply sharing what I went through as a child because this is where my trauma has started and this is where most of my trauma has come from. So yeah, we're just going to dive right in. So my father left me when I was one. He had to leave Chicago, and my mom always told me that if my dad didn't leave, he would have either ended up in jail or dead, and I'm not against someone, you know, leaving to better themselves and better their lives, but it doesn't change the fact that he left me. He left his one-year-old daughter, and... And as a result of that, we didn't have a strong relationship because of the distance. And when I did see him, I would always cry because I didn't I didn't know who he was. So it wasn't until I got to college that our relationship started to grow. Like it was our thing to talk every Sunday, check in with each other. But when I really needed him, when I was a baby, when I was a toddler, you know, when I was in grade school, he wasn't there. So in regards to my mom, she was addicted to crack cocaine for over 30 something years of her life. I do want to point out that my mom is doing well now. Um, I believe it was February of 2016. She committed her life back to the Lord and been clean and sober ever since so she is doing 
very well now. But prior to, even before I was born, before my brother was born with my oldest sister, she was addicted to crack cocaine. And I grew up in a household with my youngest sister and my older brother. My I do recall a period of time my oldest sister being there as well, but eventually she moved out and moved in with our grandmother. So it was just mainly myself, my youngest sister, and my oldest brother. And we we seen a lot and we started to put like two and two together and started noticing around grade school. I'm like, yeah, something's going on. I'm like, you know, kids are smart these days and we were definitely smart. But it was just little it was just things that were so weird. Like for example, we weren't allowed to go into the kitchen because that's where she did her thing when we would eat upstairs in our rooms and when it was time to bring down our plates we had to call her from the stairs you know or like you know if we wanted anything can I have some water or here's my here's my plate but we had to do it from the stairs like we weren't allowed to go into the kitchen there were many days where she would have us you know we would walk through parks and a lot of drug dealers, they sat in parks, sad to say, you know, kids be out there in the parks swinging and playing and you have these a bunch of drug dealers sitting on a bench nearby. So when we would walk through parks, she would tell us to keep walking and she would stop you know, by the by the benches where all the guys were. So that's when we started noticing some things as well. And then what really took the cake is that many days and also many nights she would have us walking out with her at night and she basically used us as bait to tell strangers that her kids were hungry and when I said we did a lot of walking we did a lot of walking and some some days we'll be standing outside up at McDonald's or Popeye's. I'm like, oh, we getting McDonald's for dinner tonight. We having chicken for dinner tonight. But no, the money that they gave her, it went towards her next fix. She just basically used us because, of course, you know, people, they see you with three kids. They're not going to let your kids go hungry. So, of course, she was able to get a lot of money by using us. And, of course, we ate at home, but it was, you know, pork and beans and hot dogs and noodles and peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. I'm like, we was just, you know, in front of McDonald's. Like, I really wanted that Happy Meal. But, you know, we ate. So, that <laughs> we ate and that, that's what all, that's what, what matters. So, um, that, that was very stressful. And even in a winter months, I remember one night my feet just being so cold that as soon as I got home, I ran them under hot water. And I don't think you're supposed to do that, but I was young, my feet were cold and I didn't want them to be cold anymore. So I literally ran them under hot water. And around grade school and high school, she started to um, steal things from us so that she could go out and sell them. And the disappointment from that alone was just unbearable. Things that I, you know, received or worked hard for when I come home, literally gone. Money that I've earned, money that I thought I had good hiding places, 
gone. Like a person with an addiction, they are going to know every nook and cranny. And, you know, I did my best to try to hide certain things. But when it came to like our clothes, a new pair of shoes, and, and when you just come home and your things are gone, like the disappointment, it, it was real. Like it was... It was unbearable. It was very sad. You know, I would always catch an attitude, you know, one talk to her. Like, how could you just take my things and go out and sell them? And there were many of nights we were left in a house alone. I'm not going to lie. Some of the, most of them nights, me and my siblings made the best of it. Like, we had some fun, like, three kids in the house no adult supervision we were sliding downstairs my brother used to like to do wrestling moves on us and you know I would be sneaking into you know the cabinets playing in my mom's makeup trying on lipstick doing all of that stuff and then it was some nights it was very stressful like I recall nights where my younger sister would be sitting at the window crying like where is mommy I recall one night I called my grandmother like grandma she's not here and my grandmother came over and I just sat in her lap and cried and you know she just stayed with us and of course I got in trouble for it when she knew I called my grandma yeah I got in trouble for it you know because she didn't want no one to really know what was going on at home so in a way it's like we had to keep our our mouth shut so one thing I can say is that DCFS never removed us from the home. You know, I, the neighbors knew, but at the end of the day, we had people in the neighborhood that cared for us. And if, like I say, <laughs> my mom, she, at the time, she definitely had minimal parenting. She made sure we had a roof, we had food, and we had clothes. And during school nights after she got done doing what she what what she did it could be 12 midnight it could be one in the morning two in the morning that lady got us up to you know check out homework make sure our homework was completed for school and to do our hair so at the end of the day my mom she cared for us she loved us she showed affection so we knew the love was there but at the same time well at least on my end I can't speak for my other siblings I just felt like she always chose drugs over us and to me that wasn't love and it forced me to become a young adult at a young age because like I say many a days or nights she wasn't there and I had to care for my siblings and we had to care for each other like of course we had to eat and I remember my very first time making noodles and they were so watered down didn't have no flavor my brother flushed them down the toilet but we had to learn how to cook because of course we had to eat we had to do our homework. We had to make sure we had clothes and everything for the next day. You know, wash our clothes out in the tub, in the sink. We had to do those things. So I was forced to become, you know, an adult at a young age. But for me, my way out was school. And one thing I do appreciate about my mom is that 
she made sure she checked our homework. She made sure, you know, our homework was completed. And in eighth grade, I was told that I was valedictorian. I just swear it was this one girl that was there that I was just sure was the smartest girl in the class. She was going to get it. But when my teacher told me, like, you know, you're valedictorian, that made me feel good. That motivated me. And I that's when I realized, like, this is your way out school is your way out so when i got to high school you know i continued to invest and put all of my energy into my education and i also graduated high school number three top of my class but i i did not play and i had the people Oh my God, you all. So I went to Arabia. If you ever heard of the Garfield Park Conservatory, that's literally right across the street from that school. And everybody from the staff and from the friends, like friends that I have met at that school in 2010, I am still friends friends with those people today and it's 2019 like it's amazing the people that I have met and built a connection with there and um the counselors were great I remember one morning I told my mom I needed money to send off my college application and of course she didn't have it like when it came to important stuff like that she didn't have it so I literally went to school bawling my eyes out and when soon I made it in the building I just fell to the floor crying bawling my eyes out my favorite counselor walked up to me and you know she saw I was in distress and everything so I explained to her like you know I really want to go to college deadlines are coming up and my mom don't have any money to give me to send off my college applications and this lady literally clocked out of work went to the bank and came back and gave me enough money to send off each of my college applications seriously if it was not for that lady I probably would not have went to college so I'm just grateful for their guidance like for me and my best friend at Idessa we spent so much time in the counselor office that they said they was gonna start charging us rent but they they were there like the guidance and just you know, if I needed them to look over a college application, look over a scholarship essay, they always told us about different scholarships. That's how I was able to get my um, full ride. I received a Gates Millennium Scholarship. And, and I don't think I would have done those things without the support of the people at that school. And when I had received that scholarship, I just knew it was God. Like I, like I knew I needed a way out and I knew I wanted to continue my education because I use, I did use school as an escape. I stayed after school, you know, getting help with my homework, chit-chatted with friends. And then as soon as I was able to work, I got a job at the Garfield Park Conservatory doing like after school matters and stuff just so I could avoid going home. So work and school was an escape, but it was very productive, which I'm very thankful for. And um, so when I received the scholarship, when I got home and, you know, my mom, she's like, well, you have a, a big envelope on your bed and I knew if it was a small envelope probably would have been a 99% chance I didn't get it but when I say this envelope was huge I just knew I had gotten a scholarship and I just I cried because I'm like yes I could continue my education and do what I want to do get out of this toxic environment I definitely knew I was going because I my school was only about 
two hours away, but it was close enough to home, but, you know, far enough away where my mom, you know, just come pop up. And honestly, she probably only visited me in college twice. Once, probably, I think my sophomore year, and then probably the second time when I graduated. So she didn't, you know, really come often but it was okay uh, of course I seen her when I you know would come home for summer breaks or holidays and things like that but she didn't care to like really you know come and be with me while I was at school but anywho I had my friends and um, the same friends I met in in high school most of us went to the same college so it was it was great but just going back to when I was in grade school it that's when the embarrassment really started for me because I would have kids my peers walk up to me and be like, Ashley, we saw your mom buying drugs. And I would try to play it off like, you know, y'all got the wrong person. That wasn't her. And like, um, yeah, we know what your mom looked like. And I knew they weren't they weren't lying. I knew it was her, but they just don't they didn't understand the hurt that it caused me. Like, y'all could have kept that to y'all self. Like, why y'all come telling me? What y'all seen my mom doing? Like, I know what she out there doing. Trust me, there are many a days when I have walked with this lady, you know. So, it, it was very hurtful. And some kids, you know, laugh. You know, I probably would hear crack baby and, you know, things like that. So, it, it that stuff, it hurt. It stuck with me. And then, even in high school, I was just so scared to open up to my friends because it's like then none of my other friends parents do drugs so I felt alone and I felt embarrassed and I didn't know how to say it but they will always see me having these breakdowns always crying but I just couldn't you know build the courage to let them know but it was one day I just I just had enough like I had to let it out I had to talk it out with somebody because if I didn't it was going to eat me alive and I remember sitting on the back stairs with a group of my friends and I finally opened up to them and I a close friend of mine who I'm still very close with to this day she opened up and told me she was going through the same thing with her mom and you all don't know how that made me feel it's like I'm not alone and it just goes to show you when you share your story with someone you know like I say a lot of us share similar situations share similar stories and from there me and her built this this great bond because we was able to relate and yes my other friends they understood but they they weren't walking in our shoes they didn't experience what we experienced so it was just nice to have someone that was going through something similar and we are still very good friends to this day like I'm so thankful for her and that was like my first person I would call when like my mom you know went missing I called like you know my mom been gone for such amount of days and you know things like that so we was able to cry together and just just work it out so it's it's in a good way, it is good to share your story. You never know who you can relate to and who you can talk to. So college, it was pretty much the same. Even though I was away from the toxic environment, 
it you know I still heard about things back at home because of course my younger sister was still at home so even though my mom probably say like you know she stopped of course for my sister that wasn't the case and then my mom knew I'd be mad at her she like you know she'll call and curse me out like you all the way there what you worrying about what's going on here and things like that but what I am most thankful for is that I had my friends like their family treated me nothing less than family like to this day um you know I just my friends family just have always been there since day one starting with my best friend Alina like we I can't even think of the age I want to say as young as maybe like five or six like we literally live one minute from each other and we built a connection right off the back like I remember us riding a three-wheeler together and her mom just took me in like seriously almost every day I was at that lady house eating me and my sister and it was like she always had enough to make sure that we ate you know and I never felt bad because she never made us feel bad she's like if y'all hungry y'all could come over and eat there were many a nights where I spent the night because it allowed me to be out of my home and out of that toxic environment so I'm just thankful for my best friend Alina and her mom especially around grade school because that's where I spent most of my time and then once I got to high school I met my best friend Bree Bree and and it was the same with her family like instantly they took me in and it was just amazing like her Burberry mom knows more about me than anybody when I say anybody anybody because I built that trust with her and she has always let me know that she was there there are many a days when I would go to you know their house Burberry didn't even have to be there and I you know go in the room take a nap and mom's like you know this this your place too you know so it's like I felt comfortable like I was literally able to go there and sleep and Burberry didn't have to be there and that's just how comfortable she made me feel and anytime I was going through something you know I would go over there and the first thing I would do is just literally cry in her arms and she always held me I'm getting teary eyed right now because she that lady is just amazing and it's like when I needed a shoulder to cry on she was there and to this day she's still there for me and I can't thank that lady enough I'm sorry, you all just very emotional, but I'm just so thankful that I had people like that. And then my auntie, she, you know, when me and because me and my cousin is close in age and she took up a lot of time with me because of her. I was able to go to Disney World. I was able to go out to eat because these are things I couldn't do with my mom. Like I say, my mom's obsession was just all about getting high, getting her next fix. And we didn't do family vacations and stuff, but I was able to experience that with my auntie. So like I said, I'm just thankful for the people that God has placed in my life because if it wasn't for them, I don't know where I would be right now. And it wasn't until grad school that I like really grasped the concept of mental health. And it all made sense, like what I was going through, all you know, the triggers, me constantly crying and things like that. And it wasn't until grad school and I realized like I had a mental illness. And 
what a lot of people don't know about me uh, of course my closest friends and this is definitely a episode that I would say for September because September is National Suicide Awareness Month but I have been suicidal for as long as I could remember you know going back to like sixth grade so this isn't something that's just recent even you know grade school high school college my friends have gotten texts from me like you know me telling them I don't want to live I don't have a purpose here I don't want to be here I'm just tired of the pain like this stuff is just not recent they've been here all of my day ones that's been there they've been hearing about this for years now and like I said I'm just so thankful for the people that God put in my life because like I said if it wasn't for them I don't even know if I would still be here to this day. And if I had to pick one word to describe me, I would honestly say that word would be resilient. And I feel like you can come back from anything. And but that's if you set your mind to do so. Like I say, I knew school was my way out. So I did what I needed to do in school. And for the people that's out there struggling or feel like they're stuck, you just have to find your way out. What's what's your motivation? And just put your mind to it and encourage yourself. And I had to do that. Like I was my 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 biggest supporter. Like I supported myself. And I'm just also thankful for the people around me that supported me as well. And even going back to my first episode, when I said, I believe that God put me in a social work field for a reason. And working this job to this day, I know that reason was so that I could relate to children that I serve. And like I said, I really wanted to be a kindergarten teacher, but I think God was, you know, wanting me to do more than just teach kids their ABCs and their one, two, threes. You know, he wanted me to be a voice for those kids. And even with my older kids, I share my story. I let them know, like, you're not alone. I went through the same thing and look where I'm, I'm at now. Like, I went to school. I got two degrees and you know it is possible it can be done you don't have to be a product of your environment but you have to put your mind to it and you have to want it can't no one else want it for you so that's my encouragement for people today that feel like they are struggling or or you know feel like they're still stuck and it's a journey because i'm still struggling i'm 27 just A month ago, I had a suicide attempt. I'm still struggling, you know, so you're not alone, but we have to find our our purpose and we have to keep going. And I think I still struggle because my mom is not a person that you can talk to. It's like she doesn't understand the effect she had on us. So it's like I was never able to get that closure. And maybe that's something I just have to talk out in therapy. And I mean, I'm willing to do that, but it's just sad because I wish I could talk to her and I can't because she's not going to listen. And when it comes down to it, it's going to be all about her where, you know, 
I did I did the best I can. I'm doing much better now. Yes, which I'm very proud of. But at the end of the day, I don't need you, especially, you know, since she gave her life back to the Lord, she became so religious and like, I don't need you preaching to me. I need you to be a mother. I need you to understand. I need you to hold me just like how Brie mom holds me and let me know that everything is going to be okay. That's what I need from you. I don't need you constantly preaching to me. So I think that's where I still struggle. And then not even that, it's just like, at the end of the day, humans, we, we feed off love. Love is such a strong emotion. And I just don't think I was ever loved correctly. Yes, I received love from my siblings, from my friends, but I didn't receive that love from my parents. So it's like they didn't start that foundation for me. And especially with my dad. And I don't know if that's linked to why I have so many toxic relationships because he didn't, you know, he wasn't here to just show me how a man should treat me. So, like I say, all of these things is something I definitely just want to talk out in therapy and address and just come to terms with things and just try to move on. So, I do want to leave you all with this quote by Mary Lambert. I think it's really important to destigmatize mental illness in any form. I think there's a lot of people that are carrying around guilt and shame for stuff that doesn't matter. Everybody is going through something. Everybody has had something that they've had to overcome. And this quote stands true. And we all go through things. And like I said, we all struggle. But it's, you know, what are you going to do to overcome it? And like I said, I'm still on a journey. But I right now, my journey, my journey of focus is healing because I still have a lot of healing to do. And that's exactly what I'm like. I'm even looking into healing crystals and, you know, just, you know, just trying to figure out what works for me. And again, I'm just so thankful for the support system I have. I think having a great support system and being able to identify that, that helps a lot. So Think about your support system and reach out to them because I guarantee you there's someone out there that cares and they will be in your corner no matter what. So again, thank you for everyone that has took the time out to listen to this episode. I hope it reached someone. I hope someone gained something from it and I cannot wait to talk to you all in my next episode.